0: Ladies and gentlemen welcome to today's meet the artist interview these pre-performance interviews are presented by the san francisco ballet center for dance education today's interview will also be able, available for listening through our website sfballet.org uh, so i'd like to welcome our audience here in san francisco's war memorial opera house it's sunday february 28th 2016 just before a matinee performance of artistic director and principal choreographer Helgi Thomason's Swan Lake. And I'd also like to welcome our online listeners. My name is Jennifer Kovakovich. Our guest today is San Francisco Ballet's production director, Christopher Dennis.
1: Good afternoon. Mm
0: -hmm. A little bit about Christopher. He joined the staff in 2010 as technical director and was appointed production director in 2013. Previously, he served as the resident lighting designer and lighting coordinator at the National Ballet of Canada for 14 seasons. His lighting designs are in the repertoires of ballet companies around the world, including American Ballet Theatre, Boston Ballet, Joffrey Ballet, and West Australia Ballet. You might recognize his work from uh, our own repertoire, including Yuri Posikov's Rite of Spring and uh, Francesca de Remini and Raku, and Helgi Thomasson's Caprice and Trio. Um, he's also done work for the Sean Stratford Festivals, as well as regional opera, theater, and film productions. Uh, and he was lighting di- director for Mikhail Baryshnikov's White Oak Dance Project and was assistant resident lighting designer for the Metropolitan Opera. So, very impressive resume. We're so glad to have you here.
1: Thank you. It's nice to be back.
0: Now, again, you joined our staff in 2010, but actually you were here uh, back in 2006 and 2008 as lighting designer. Talk to us about that.
1: Um, Yeah, my first visit to San Francisco, um, there was a young choreographer named uh, Myrtash Myrjevsky And he he choreographed a ballet called Concordia, and he invited me to come to San Francisco to design for the ballet. So that was my first time here in San Francisco. And then for the 75th anniversary, um, the San Francisco Ballet invited the National Ballet of Canada to perform, and it was an evening with uh, Ballet de Monte Carlo, New York City Ballet, and uh, the National Ballet of Canada. So that was my second visit to San Francisco, uh, working for the National at that time. So those were my two visits, and then in 2010, the phone rang and all that stuff happened, and here I am today.
0: (laughs) Well, talk to us about all that stuff happening. That seems, that's an interesting um, transition to go from being a lighting designer to, at that time, technical director. So tell us, first of all, why don't you tell us a little bit about what those responsibilities are um, and how you made that transition.
1: Uh, Well, for many years, I trained uh, back in Canada uh, in theater, Uh, More specifically, technical production, where you get exposed to a number of different aspects of backstage, from stage management to wardrobe to uh, lighting to sound, just every aspect you see on stage. And I specialized in lighting. And for so many years as a designer working with uh, major dance companies, uh, lighting designers generally spend a great deal of time uh, looking at things a little bit more, in terms of scenic elements and light and costumes, because everything they do with lighting has an impact on the scenery and the costumes. and So you start to develop this sort of broad uh, understanding of all the different things that go into a ballet. So it, um, it's the one discipline that really exposes you to a number of different things, which then allows you to develop this repertoire of knowledge. And um, as a designer, you do a lot of freelancing, and you just work with so many interesting uh, uh, designers and other technical staff, whether it be crew or production directors or technical coordinators. So once again, you start to develop this whole repertoire of information and how things are done on stage. and then. There was just a point in my career where I really wanted to make a transition and start applying that type of knowledge from a management perspective and bringing my artistry to, the, to like a production side of things where now I was helping manage what happens on stage as opposed to just being uh, one discipline. Now I get to really um, look over all facets of what happens on stage.
0: So you came here as technical director, and in 2013, you were named production director. Can you talk about what that, that signifies and, and tell specifically the, the kind of work that you do here on a day-to-day basis?
1: Uh, well, the technical, uh, in most organizations, a technical director, it, it, their responsibility truly relies on all the things that happen on stage in terms of the oversight from the building of scenery to um, getting the costumes done and working with the designers uh, and managing the stage on a day-to-day basis. Um, so when I came in here, I was I was doing that, but the job actually was a little bit more where, like right now, I, I, I spend time with the general manager and other staff where we budget and I'm um, a lot more involved in the planning. So it's just one step from just looking after the stage. It's looking at the big picture, uh, uh, even closely with artistic so a, a lot of planning and responsibility as a in terms of budgets and stuff like that so that 's where uh, a production director is just a little bit different because their responsibility takes on a little bit more than just the stage
0: and it 's not just this stage that you 're responsible for I mean when we go on tour or
1: that 's right so as a production director as well i 'm responsible, and I work with a, a great group of people. Um, in planning the budgets and in uh, preparing all the information uh, in terms of what we need to send to all the different venues when we go on tour so I basically uh, look after a lot of the technical logistics uh, ordering the shipping containers trying to figure out how we're gonna pack things with the crew and deciding what things need to go all the way like when we went to China just a lot of logistics um, I do a lot of advances to the different places that we tour to check out all the um, technical, uh, facilities, uh, check in the load in just, I mean, there's so many different details that go into, uh, putting our productions on another stage in another country or in another city, just dealing with a lot of different logistics. So as a production director, a lot of that falls under my responsibility as well.
0: So again, if you've joined us, um, late, our d- guest today is production director, Christopher Dennis. Um, So let's talk a little bit about the production we're going to see today. Helgi Thomas in Swan Lake. Uh, The scenic and costume designer was Jonathan Fensom. Lighting design by Jennifer Tipton. Projection and video by Sven Ortel. And hair, wig, and makeup by Michael Ward. Um, So, now you joined us just after our 2010 season. So you weren't here for the first two times uh, this production graced our stage. Talk to us about, you know, you get word from Mr. Thomason that he'd like to bring this ballet back. Talk to us about, you know, what's your next step? How do you, how do you bring it back onto the stage?
1: Well, the, one of the first things I do is I'll look at the archival video of Swan Lake just so I could get familiar with Helgi's particular production uh, because so many choreographers have their own take and spin on how they create the ballet and what parts they're going to change and... and um, how they're gonna tell the story. So just getting uh, a video and watching that was really one of the first steps. And then also having a discussion with him about you know our, what kind of changes or what kinds of things do you wanna see differently that we didn't get to accomplish last time. And then there's a lot of people backstage who've worked on this production because they've been here a while. So then my next step is to engage all the different personnel, whether it's wardrobe, stage crew, um, just to find out and gather the information that they have. We do have an archival um, database of information. So once again, I'll look into uh, all the technical drawings, and then we'll just start to put together all the information um, as it's required to put the production back on stage.
0: And when did you start that? When did you first learn we were going to be doing Swan Lake again?
1: Uh, Well, usually we plan like a year to two out. So, you know, with we're in fiscal, we're in our FY 16 16 season. So I believe it was in like 2014, 2015, I knew we were gonna do Swan Lake and I knew there were some changes that uh, we needed to to do. The production uh, is a very big production. And at the time, uh, as you know, and some of you may have seen it, you know, it's a heavily, it's a production based heavily on uh, video projection. And uh, when it was first done, we used about seven video projectors to produce the ballet and uh, now we use three. So that was a major change. So myself and my team worked closely with Helgi and the creative team to figure out how we can condense the use of seven projectors to three. Seven projectors was a, Although it was the right choice at the time, it, it made the production unmanageable to remount all the time and to tour. So we needed to find a way to uh, scale down uh, the equipment but not change the content. So everything you see is primarily the same but with technology changing over the years, we now step into newer software, computer programs, and different video projectors, so that we could still take the exact same ballet and produce it on stage.
0: With more and more productions relying on kind of newer technologies like projections, or you know, even the software to to run a lot of the equipment, do you see that kind of um, change happening more? I mean, what what do you think the issues might come up down the line of?
1: Well, definitely uh, a lot more uh, creative um, designers are using the technology like projection and video to help tell stories. And um, you're seeing it so much these days. And there's pros and cons. I mean, um, just the ability to uh, capture so much content over the internet and what's accessible to you. And then you can, you know, uh, use some of that stuff provided you get... Uh, permission from the artists who create the content online Um, you could use a lot of stuff to help create all these amazing visual things that you see so it's definitely uh, an added medium to what we do here as opposed to um, just painting backdrops which of course is still a lovely thing to see on stage Uh, the drawback with video and stuff like that, like projection, is that it takes more time. I think there's a misconception that it's a, it's a lot simpler to deal with, but um, when you're working with that kind of technology, a lot of different issues can happen, and, um, and time, because we spend, we have very little time sometimes to recreate a show, the changes that might seem so simple aren't as simple when you're working with video, and you know, if the light bulbs go off in the projector, then guess what? There's no There's no uh, image, and um, so, so the technology is there like anything else, like your cell phone and all the other things that you use, and we embrace the technology on stage, but it also has its limitations, and we do everything we can to prevent those things from happening.
0: How much contact did you have with the design team, the original design team, kind of in remounting the production? Did you have to go through a lot of discussion with them about changes and things?
1: There were uh, various discussions and emails. We had a conference call about seven or eight months ago um, with the designers and myself and Helgi to discuss Uh, what we liked, or more specifically, what Helgi liked, and some things that he felt could be improved upon. And, you know, like anything else, you take a look at something that you created six or seven years ago, and and it's the one... We're very fortunate that when we do things like ballets that were done years ago and we bring them back, it's the one thing... It's the one job, I think, where we have an opportunity to revisit and, and say, hey, what could I do differently? What could I do better? And so with Swan Lake... There was a few things that we discussed with the designers and um, we came up with a plan and the plan was executed and now it's on stage.
0: <laughs> you mentioned that this is a big production. Can you talk to us about what that means? Give us a sense of the scale of it.
1: Well, generally full-length story ballets are um, are bigger productions than your typical third-of-an-evening ballet. So, you know, when you're telling a well, in this case, a four-act ballet, there's a lot of scenery that you generally would have and costumes to be able to tell each act of the story. So just by its nature alone, it starts to become this, um, a much larger production versus like a one-act ballet of Firebird, because Firebird's a story ballet as well, but it's told in 45 minutes versus, you know, two and a half hours of music. So... um, just by virtue of its length of music and, and the nature of the story makes for a bigger ballet from a production standpoint and as well as for the dancers.
0: One of the things I think is interesting is um, I feel like the space on the stage in this production is actually really expansive, and yet you, know, you don't feel like there's a lot of scenery crowding it or anything like that, and yet I keep hearing sort of how, how much there is and how, how big it is. Can you talk to us about some of the elements...
1: Well, like in Act One, I mean, there's the, um, well, there's the, I don't know how many people have seen this production since it was last done, but we have a, a new palace gate, uh, which was redesigned for the production. Uh, in the last production, it didn't have that. So um, that has um, uh, quite a presence on stage. And so scenery in Act One being so large and lifelike, makes the production feel like you're in this, you know, palace courtyard. And then in act two, well, now we're on the beautiful lake where we meet the swans. And and so that is a little bit more minimal in its look. And then in act three, we're in the palace. So grand staircase and stuff like that. So it's elements like that, that just even though it doesn't look like a lot on stage, it's a lot compared to other ballets that we do. And, uh, and then there's scenic things that fly in, and there's these gorgeous curtains, like the one that's behind me with some projection on it. So by nature of having all these different elements makes it a bigger ballet versus like a Balanchine, which generally is just, you know, black legs and borders, a beautiful cyclorama with nice color, and the dancers do their thing. Not a lot of accessories Uh, to help tell the story of what the dance is. So just that's what makes it big.
0: Um, I had the good fortune of being backstage to observe um, a performance of Nutcracker, where our stage managers will kind of tell me, like, this is a good place to sit. (laughs) And then they'll move me because that's not going to be a good place to sit in a minute. And they take me somewhere else and say, now you you go here. And it seemed to me that the, the backstage is almost as tightly choreographed as what happens on stage.
1: Yes, it it is. There's so many people and individuals backstage who help run the show, uh, whether it be the stage crew, the wardrobe department, the hair and makeup department. um, They're all back there doing all the different things that they need to do to help the production uh, go as smoothly as possible. So between all those people being backstage and then scenery having to move on and off, uh, things are timed out and... uh, you know, generally have to be put in a specific place, the scenery, so there are times where you could watch from a particular place backstage and then you have to move out of the way because in two seconds, there's gonna be a big staircase rolling off and you need to get out of the way or else you'll get crushed by the staircase and, <laughs> and that won't be fun. So backstage, uh, definitely during a performance, it has its own rhythm and, uh, and even more exciting uh, during our 20 minute intermissions, um, there's a whole, list of things that happen and they have to happen in a particular order uh, in order to get the scene changes prepared properly so that the dancers could get back on stage so they can sort of get to warm up again. So um, it's actually fascinating in the 20 minutes what happens backstage in a very organized manner or at least what appears to be in a very organized manner.
0: So that must take a lot to work out too during the the process of mounting it.
1: We do like during the course of a technical production, um, or technical period. Um, that's when we find out how things are going to work, how many people we might need to move scenery, whether we have to do the floor change. Uh, just a number of different things gets worked out during the actual technical rehearsals, just to find out you know how smooth and how things are going to uh, run. And then, and that's when we find out what our intermissions are gonna be like, especially when we do rep programs, when you have three distinct different ballets with three distinct different pieces of scenery and different floor colors. Um, And I'm sure some of you have sat there and go, why is it taking so long backstage? Well, that's because the crew and everyone backstage is working uh, carefully and diligently to make sure that You know, everything is covered from A to Z before the next, before the curtain goes back up. And sometimes, depending on the nature of uh, the triple build that gets programmed, uh, sometimes we can be dealt a hand that's a little more challenging technically. But that's what makes it really exciting backstage for everybody because we're all trying to figure out how do we make this work and look and feel seamless and get it done in 20 minutes. So, and sometimes, you know, we don't get it done in twenty-five, in twenty minutes, and it goes a little longer. But we try very hard not to to do that.
0: Well, it gives people more time to finish their wine before Absolutely. they take their seat.
1: So more cocktails to have be had.
0: Again, my guest today is production director Christopher Dennis. Um, so today is the last performance of this run of Swan Lake. What's in store for you all after the curtain comes down tonight? Is, is it loadout tonight? No, or? I think
1: everybody's going to just walk away and go home and catch <laughs> the Oscars and be with their families. Sundays, generally, after a run of this... Um, magnitude or length I mean we did this will be our 11th performance and that's that's generally a few more performances that we that that we would normally do we don't normally do 11 performances of a full length but because it's Swan Lake and it's demand so um, my guess is that you know everybody will just go home and relax and then on Tuesday we will come in and we will start our changeover into Capella so, uh, that'll be a big day over the next, that day and, and into the rest of the week, we'll be spending time changing over the scenery, uh, getting ready for technical rehearsals with the dancers, and we'll just start the whole process over again. So, you know, for me personally, as a production director, once I, once we open Swan Lake, I'm on to the next two or three ballets. Like I'm just like, we're still doing that ballet? I'm just, I'm, I was thinking about something else. So you know, and so as a production director, you're constantly like, you're, I'm like weeks ahead, months ahead, a year ahead, just because I'm constantly planning, planning. And so there's a great team of people who work here, who maintain uh, the productions while they're going, while people like myself get to go on and start working on the next uh, phase of what's happening.
0: I'm going to open the uh, opportunity up for questions for Christopher Dennis, but I want to ask you, um, it's, Kind of unusual, I think, for us to go from one full length to another full length. Is that Does that change how you plan, you know, uh, or is it, that helpful? Because you already have so many people here backstage. Uh,
1: it, it's, I don't well, let me see. You know, you're right, we don't normally do back-to-back full lengths, but because we knew, uh, I mean... Almost a year ago, that we were going to be doing this, it allowed to plan accordingly, so that we could make the change from Swan Lake to Capella, and Capella is a very traditional in its scenic elements. It's you know a beautifully painted legs and borders, beautiful hard scenery with like a nice little house and everything like that, and so it's very traditional in its setup. So. It allows for an easy change from Swan Lake into Capella just by nature of how the show was executed and designed.
0: So, does anybody have any questions? Yes? Hi, I would
1: like to know what do you enjoy about today's show, maybe from a scenic perspective?
0: The question was what do you enjoy about Swan Lake from a scenic perspective?
1: Or this production, or
0: this production in particular?
1: Uh, I enjoy the transitions. I think what makes a lot of productions wonderful is how you go from one scene to the next, uh, like Vista, where the audience gets to see the actual transition. So, you know, there's a lot of ballets where, you know, the end of the act, intermission, everybody goes for their drink and then you come back and then the curtain goes back up and then you're in the next act. So, but when you can go, when you can do the magic of like, going from one scene to the next with the music and everything like that. So there's some transitions here in this particular ballet, like the transition from uh, three to four is quite lovely. And um, and you'll get to see that. So just look out for how we go from one scene to the next. Um, and I think that's what I enjoy most about this particular production.
0: I saw another hand, yes. I refer to a review by The, the question is about the um, appearance of the lake or the rock, uh, the whole lakeside scene, I guess.
1: So the, the lake, which of course they're just referring to the dance floor, in Swan Lake we use, well in many of our ballets we use different uh, dance floors. And sometimes they're gray, sometimes they're black, sometimes they're blue, just a variety, even white. And in this particular production, it's a black floor, but it has, it has like a very glossy feel to it. So when lights hit it, it gives more of a reflection. So my guess is um, the person who reviewed the show from the Chronicle um, st- like noticed that differently because that floor was used last time. They may have had a different uh, seat this time or something that allowed them to see the show a little bit differently. So then they commented, on how the floor, which was the lake, just looks so reflective and licorice because it is that—if you know licorice, it's sort of black and shiny and all that neat stuff. And well, then, and there's
0: that rock. There's the big yeah, rock. and
1: then there's the big rock as well that um, you know that's at the Outcome. at the lake. <laughs> so I hope that answers your question.
0: Any other questions for Christopher Dennis?
1: Go ahead. The the
0: question was sort of about the technical capabilities um, here versus at the Numerinsky or other um, uh, venues.
1: Um, So, you know, this opera house is fantastic. I mean, because all of you guys come here and you sit here and you go, it's a fantastic opera house. And backstage is fantastic. But the opera house is uh, an older um, building. And so it does have limitations. But we've done... Uh, different steps throughout the years to try to upgrade certain systems that allow us to do more technical things. Um, Places like the Marinsky and the Royal Opera House and the Paris Opera House. European Opera Houses generally were built with um, with a lot more vibrato, you can say, because they spend a lot of time going between ballet and opera every single night. One night you can go to the ballet, next night you go to the opera, then the ballet. So the building was designed to accommodate the ongoing 24-hour shifts of of production. Um, so their technical capabilities are definitely extraordinary. Here at the San Francisco Opera House, I mean, it, you know, it's nothing to sneeze about. That's a pretty big back there, but it has its limitations, so when designers come here, uh, especially those who've designed overseas in Europe, we do spend time with them to try to have discussion with them to say, you know, here in San Francisco, here's our capabilities and this is truly one of the bigger um, theaters or opera houses in North America, so we're very fortunate to have the venue that we do.
0: I have time for one question, I think I saw a hand A uh, question about the budget and the, its constraints. Uh,
1: uh, it has a lot of constraints. <laughs> I'm not going to. And that's something that I have to look at every day. You know, um, we we live and work in a different climate now economically. And so uh, even the ballet company of our stature still has to pay attention to the bottom line and the kinds of things that we're able to produce. So when, when we do look at our budgets and we talk to designers, uh, there's a great deal of conversation and arm wrestling that goes on to um, basically try to bring our productions in on budget. Um, sometimes it can be a little challenging because the uh, creative demands sometimes outweigh um, what's affordable, but um, there's so many talented people here that you spend a great deal of time looking for solutions so that you could try to achieve the creative vision on stage without sort of you know breaking the bank. And then there are times where you make a creative decision and a financial one that says, you know, maybe we do have to spend a little bit more and the product on stage is going to be that much better. So we go back and forth, like any organization, uh, uh, managing and looking at our budgets very carefully.
0: Well, I'm afraid we're out of time, but I'd like to extend a very uh, big thank you to Christopher Dennis for being here. And of course, thank you to our audience. Uh, If you enjoyed today's interview, this is a reminder that this one and others uh, will be available on our website, sfballet.org, as well as our uh, Points of View lecture series. And they and our videos are a wonderful resource um, for you to uh, learn more about the ballet. And um, thank you again, and please enjoy this afternoon's performance of Swan Lake.